Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Monday, April the 3rd, 2023. It is currently 1.23 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas, where it's like 94 degrees outside. I I think summer has arrived here in Texas, so it's summertime. that's, That's what's happening here in Texas. It is very warm outside, and it's April, so we have a we have a, a new month in front of us. I, I mentioned this, I believe, yesterday, or, or you know, I think it was the day before. I think on Saturday, we have a new month in front of us, and we're going to be doing a lot of things for the Bible Study Exercise Podcast series, which is what this episode is for the Bible Study uh, the Bible Study Exercise Podcast series. And I'm hoping, I'm hoping, 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 hoping that we can just have a great great April of digging into the scriptures. I really, really hope so. I hope that, that, you know, it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to, to get off track. I'm hoping that here we are April and we can say, all right, guys and gals and anyone else, we can, we can just say, let's really, 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 really just discipline ourselves to make April a great month of Bible study, of digging into the scriptures, of theology, of doctrine, having some great discussions. And so I'm hoping it will be very, very beneficial. I'm hoping it will be. And uh, I hope that you will um, participate as much as possible. I really do. And we have a big challenge in front of us this week. We We have a big, big challenge. And I'm not sure that I... I'm not sure my approach is going to be the best, but there is a, a method to my madness. All right. You, if you don't know, we need to cover this week, John chapter 19 and John chapter 20. Now, obviously to do a verse by verse exposition of John 19 and 20 would not, I mean, it would take us months. It would probably take us four or five months to work through everything in these two chapters and to try to figure out what we want to approach and how we don't want to approach it. So I'm going to approach this in a very, I I hope, beneficial way. Number one, I want you to go check out the curriculum for John 19 and 20. It's available to anyone who would like access to it. Just email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Say, I would like access to the curriculum. I send you a link. You send back going, I signed up. It's free. Please note, it's free. And then I, I will, uh, then I will immediately go in and make sure all the curriculum is assigned to you. You have access to the adult study guide, the daily discipleship guide. You have access to lots of different things. Please utilize it. So if you haven't looked at the curriculum for John 19 and 20, please do that this week. Even if you just read it, even if you don't really do much with it, at least read it because it will offer a perspective. But here's what I'm going to attempt to do. Starting today. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and hopefully Sunday afternoon. I'm going to look for any way and every way possible to turn on this microphone and talk about John 19 and 20. 
We may review random sermons on John chapter 19 and 20. We may review random podcast episodes. We just may, I, I, I may use this for the today's focus. I, I mean, I, I was going to use it for today's focus today, but then we started talking about, you know, uh, or personal uh, maturity versus spiritual maturity. I think that that was a good conversation. Uh, but um, so I, I just thought I would at least turn on the microphone and just start wa- working our way through this. I'm not, I'm, I don't want this to come across so much as, all right, everyone, turn on, uh, turn, you know, open up your Bibles to John chapter 19 and look where I kind of try to present to you a very definitive type of lesson. What I want this to be is, Hey guys, f- for the next seven days, or, or not for the rest of this week, right? Uh, not a full seven days. For the rest of this week, we're going to work on John chapter 19 and 20. So, what I want you to do is at certain times of the day, I want you to stop by. I want you to drive by my house, get out, walk up, walk into the front door, walk up the, uh, the, the stairs to the studio and go, okay, so what are we doing now? Well, we're in John 19, this, we're in John 20, this. And just sit down and we'll just read through it and discuss it and throw out some ideas. Now, while you're reading and discussing it, I hope you will email me observations, questions, curiosity, anything you have about John 1920, because those are easy episodes to do, right? I can take what you're you're giving me and then just expand, expound on it and expand it. But um, I, I just want this to be very, I don't like the word casual but very, just very discussion-like, right? Like I'm just here to kind of just get you thinking about John 19 and 20 all of this week. I want this first week of April that you really spend time with it. I, I challenge you to get the Bible, one of the Bible apps, the version Bible app, go to John 19, hit play, just play it over and over and over. If you're using the Blue Letter Bible app, you can set it to read it to you seven times. But I want you to touch it. I want you to hear it. I want you to meditate on it. I want you to think about it. I want you to breathe it. I want you to feed upon it. I want you to talk about it, discuss it. I want you to sleep about it. I I want you dreaming about John 19 and 20. I think the chapters present some challenge and how to approach them. So I I may offer some thoughts or observations and you may go, "Mm, nah, or you may go, wow, never thought of that. But hopefully, we will just work together and get the most out of it. So are you ready? Okay. If we go to John chapter 18, right? If you go to John chapter 18, you see that Jesus is arrested, I believe, in John chapter 18, verse, I believe, 12. All right? John chapter 18, verse 12. Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. That's John 18, 12. So Jesus is arrested. After he's arrested, we know Peter denies Jesus three times. That's John 18, I believe, verses 15 through, I believe that's uh, 18. I think it's John 15, uh, John 18, 15 through 18 is Peter's denial of Jesus three times. Now that, that to me is a, a powerful part of the story, um, a lot we could do with that. That that's the part that preaches. The I mean, when we're just looking at it from a just a practical standpoint, you can preach that. 
You can preach that because we all deny Jesus in some way, shape, or form. We all failed Jesus in some way. So we, I think, I think we, a lot of us can relate to that part of the story because I fail and, in a sense, deny Jesus with my actions all the time. Then we know in John 18, starting in verse 19, the high priest questions Jesus and his, and about his disciples and about his teaching, right? So we know that happens. Um, oh, I, I think Peter continues to die, deny, I'm sorry. Peter denies Jesus or starts his denial of Jesus the three times in John 18, 15 through 18. And then he denies Jesus two more times uh, in John chapter 18, verses 25 through 26. All right. So a total of three times, there's a, there's a break there in how John tells the story. He breaks it up. All right. So just so that we know. Then, this brings us to Jesus before Pilate, John 18, starting in verse 28. Then they led Jesus from Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They did not enter the headquarters themselves. Otherwise, they would be defiled, unable to eat the Passover. We could start preaching right there, but I won't. So Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered him, if this man weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Now, I just want you to see what we have here. We have two, and, and, and I really, I'm going to try to stress this when we go into chapter 19 here in a minute. We have two worlds coming together. We have the civil authority and we have religious authority. Civil and religious authority. I want you to just see those two worlds coming together, all right? Uh, so Pilate came out to them and said, what charge do you bring against this man? They answered, if he weren't a criminal, we wouldn't have handed him over to you. Pilate told them, you take him and judge him according to your law. It's not legal for us to put anyone to death, the Jews declared. They said, uh, they said this, so that Jesus' words might be fulfilled in, in indicating what kind of death he was going to die. Then Pilate went back uh, into the headquarters, summoned Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, Are you asking this on your own, or have others told you this about me? I'm not a Jew, am I, Pilate replied. Your own nation and the chief priest handed uh, you over to me. What have you done? My kingdom is not of this world, said Jesus. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I wouldn't be handed over to the Jews. Uh, uh, but as it is, my kingdom is not from here. You are a king then, Pilate asked. You say, what, uh, you say that I'm a king, Jesus said. I was born for this and I have come into the world for this, to testify to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. What is truth, said Pilate. Now, that entire discussion right there is worthy of all kinds of sermons, right? But we're not in chapter 18. Remember, our focus is John 19. I, I mean, obviously, there's everything in me that wants to go back there and start working on it and, and bringing points of uh, application, but I'm not. I'm not. I'm going to stop myself, all right? Then this leads us to, uh, the, uh, see, this leads us to the next verse. Uh, this is John 18, I believe 39. And after he had said this, he went out to, G to the Jews again and told them, I find no grounds for charging him. You have a custom that I release one prisoner to you at the Passover. Do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? They shouted back, not this man, but Barabbas. Now, Barabbas was a revolutionary. 
All right, so they, they, the people, they don't want Jesus. They want Barabbas. They want a revolutionary because, well, they've got their own desires. Really, you, if you think about it, you really have three worlds coming together, right? If you think about it, you have civil authority, you have religious authority, and then you have the desires or the wants of the people, right? Three kind of things, right? Civil, religious, and then what the people want. We want a revolutionary. Now, they're, they're, you're, you can almost call it political. There's almost a political aspect going on there. But we say all of that, now we come to John chapter 19. This is where our focus is this week, right? That's just kind of walking through the context. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers also twisted together a crown of thorns, put it on his head and clothed him in a purple robe. And they kept coming up to him saying, hell, king of the Jews, and were slapping his face. Pilate went outside again and said to them, look, I'm bringing him out to you to let you know I find no grounds for charging him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, here is the man. Now, immediately we see the, the, the mistreatment, the misunderstanding, the confusion of the civil government when it comes to Jesus, right? The civil authorities, they don't really know what to do with Jesus, right? I mean, Pilate's like, I, I don't want to charge him, man. He's trying to get rid of the guy. He's like, look, why did you bring him to me? I don't want anything to do with this. You did. No, we, we can't kill him. Okay. Okay. Hey, hey, I can release a prisoner. No, wait, look, look, look how bad, look at what we've done to him. We've, we've humiliated him. He's been, he's been beaten. He's been, he's got a crown of thorns. I mean, come on, we've done enough. And they're like, no, 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 no. They, they, they still, they're still not happy. Right. So, uh, then look at verse six. This is uh, John 19, six, John 19, six. When the chief priests and the temple servants saw him, they shouted, crucify, crucify. Now, there's a lot here we could focus on. I, I, I think there's something interesting about the, how the civil authority is handling this, how the average per person is handling this. Give us Barabbas and how the religious leaders are handling this. I want to focus on the chief priests. I want to focus on the chief priest today. All right. That's what I want to focus on. That's what I want to focus on. Because today, when I read John 19, that's what hit me. The chief priest. The chief priest. Those are the religious leaders. Those are the people who have access to scripture. Those are the people who know the law of God. They know the prophets. They know the Psalms. They know these things. They're in charge in teaching the people. They're the religious leaders. They would have told you they're doing what is right according to the scriptures. They would have told you they're doing what is right according to the, to the fathers of Israel. They would have told you they are standing up for the true God of Israel. They would have justified their actions as being right, as being religious, as being truthful, that they, they would have told you they were in the right. And can you see how horribly wrong they were? 
Can you see how horribly wrong they were? They're literally saying, crucify, crucify the eternal son of God. Pilate uh, responded, take him and crucify him yourselves, since I find no grind for, uh, grounds for charging him. We have a law, the Jews replied to him, and according to that law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was more afraid than ever. He went back into the headquarters and asked Jesus, uh, where are you from? But Jesus did not give him an answer. So Pilate said to him, do you refuse to speak to me? Don't you know I have the authority to release you and the authority to crucify you? You have no authority over me at all, Jesus answered him, if I if it hadn't been given to you from above. This is, this is why the one who handed me over to you has the greatest sin or the greater sin. Now, there's a lot we could talk about here, but just I want you to see Pilate's like, he he's trying to get out of this. He doesn't know what to do. From that moment, Pilate kept trying to release him. But the Jews shouted, if you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus outside. He sat down on the judge's uh, seat in a place called the Stone Pavement. He, uh, he, it was the preparation day for the Passover. It was about noon. And then he told the Jews, here is your king. And they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, should I crucify your king? We have no king, but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Then he handed, then he handed him over to be crucified. But once again, who's there? The chief priest. The chief priest, the chief priest. You can see the religious leaders here numerous times. The religious leaders, 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 the religious leaders. Now, I look, we know this story. This story, there's lots of aspects to it. There, there's lots here that we could try to just, we could talk it through and talk it uh, talk about it. But I just want us to consider this. Here's what I want us to consider on this Monday. Right, I, wa- I want you to really consider this. Monday, April the 3rd. All right, I want you to really consider this. If you claim to be a Christian, and if I claim to be a Christian, then we know that over and over and over and over and over, we take the scripture, we read the scripture, we interpret the scripture, and we declare that our interpretation is right. We, we judge other churches as being right or wrong. We judge other Christians as being right and wrong. We judge commentaries being right and wrong. We judge sermons whether they're right and wrong. We judge everything. And no matter how much we want to try to play that down, we do so, right? I mean, look, if you go to a church, there's other churches you don't go to. Why do you not go to those other churches? Because you believe that those other churches are, are either incorrect doctrinally, theologically, or in their practice, or something. You think that there's something. You, you've decided not to go to them and for some and because you have judged that in some way shape or form they're wrong or they're inferior or they're doing something incorrectly when you leave a church you're declaring to that church you're wrong and i declare it to be so you are making a dogmatic assertion you are wrong you are wrong and then you leave and you go somewhere else and you're like you are right until they say something you don't like, and then you are wrong. 
We, we, here, they're like, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. But it's the religious leaders. And they would have told you they were doing it for the right reasons. They would have told you that, hey, we have a law. He, he's guilty of blasphemy. He claims to be the son of God. We have to follow God's law. We can't follow this man. We have to follow God's law. They, 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 they did not see it. And we go around make, in a sense in the same way going, we have a law and that's wrong and that's wrong and that doctrine is wrong and that doctrine is wrong and that doctrine is wrong. But here's what scares me to death. They were wrong. How many times have we been wrong? See, when you decide that you're right about a particular doctrine, you're telling you, what you're saying is that everyone else who studied the Bible, they got it wrong. Everyone else's interpretation, they got it wrong. Everyone else, they got it wrong. They got it wrong. They got it wrong. I, I have figured it out. You're declaring your interpretation is superior to everyone else's. Now, this is the nature of Christianity. By no means am I calling for some kind of relativism. It, by no means am I calling for some kind of just like, hey, what I'm trying to say is it's frightening to me that the, the chief priests, the religious leaders here are so convinced that they are in the right they are passionately, now you can argue that their motives are somewhat messed up and maybe they're jealous of Jesus. But I mean, whatever wrong motives you find in the chief priest and the religious leaders of that time, trust me, those same wrong motives show up in us. But it's amazing to me. And, I, and, I see, and I've seen this so many times, not only in my own life, but I've seen it just as a pastor when someone's like, nope, sorry, leaving your church, you're wrong. Okay, well, all right, thank you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much I've studied. doesn't matter how many Bible colleges I've attended. doesn't matter how many seminaries. doesn't matter that I've got seven degrees. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter if I've got degrees in religious education, biblical studies, theology. I, I've got uh, associates. I've got bachelor, bachelors. I've got masters. It doesn't matter. Nobody cares about anything that I have done at all. Everyone takes the Bible, reads it, and go, you, it's like, crucify him, crucify him. We don't use the word crucify, but we're like, you're wrong. You're wrong. Down with you, down with you. But I wonder how many times we could be wrong. See, what we have a tendency to do is read John 19 and like, man, the chief priest got it so wrong. How did they not know? How could they not understand? And we just like are somewhat like they're almost kind of a curiosity, right? They're like, they're like, ah, oh, well, that has to be the exception. But think about how many people claim to be Christians and then think of all the different interpretations. Think of all, people don't agree even on salvation within Christianity. You've got quote unquote easy believism, free grace, lordship. You've got everything in between. You've got Calvinism versus Arminianism. You've got semi-Pelagianism. Pelagianism against versus an, an Augustine view, an Augustinian view. We can, we can look at all of the different arguments about everything from Lord's Supper, baptism, church structure, how to preach, how not to preach. I mean, every, I mean, you just go on. Just take any scripture. Nobody agrees, but everyone thinks that they are right. Everyone shouts down everyone else. 
the people who should have known, I think, I think we can say this from a human perspective, from a practical perspective, the people who should have known didn't know. And when you see it all play itself out, most didn't know. I mean, the majority didn't know. Clearly, none of the religious leaders knew. I mean, here you got the chief priest over and over and over and over. Crucify, 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 crucify. We have a law. He, this man needs to die. This, uh, Come on. Hey, hey, hey. We have no king but Caesar, right? I mean, like, literally, they're willing to say anything to get Jesus killed, because, but they believe they're doing the right thing. Should, that, should this not scare us? Should this not humble us? Should this not destroy our arrogance? Should this not destroy our pride? Shouldn't this maybe make us a little slow to be so dogmatic? I'm not saying we throw out being dogmatic. I'm not saying we throw out the fight for truth. I'm not saying that we look the best I can do is every time I open my Bible is try to figure out what it says based on the words that are used and the context in which it's found. And then all I can do is declare it, thus saith the Lord, and teach it in the most dogmatic way I can possibly teach it. But I always have to be willing to acknowledge whatever I know today, I am gotta, I've got to be testing it tomorrow because I could be wrong. The religious leaders get it all wrong. Now, now this is one of those situations where nobody else listening is probably even going to be bothered by this. I'm like, yeah, so what? The religious leaders got it wrong. But it scares me to death. They had the scriptures. They had the right scriptures. Just think of all of it, what Israel had. I mean, they, 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 they have been seen so, they've been given so much truth, so much light. And with all of that truth, with all of that light, they still couldn't even see their own Messiah standing in front of them. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Now, I know I, we can get into oh, God's sovereignty and all of this. Obviously, we can get into God's sovereignty and all of this. Obviously, we know that salvation is a work of God, not a work of man, and that you can have all the knowledge in the world. God's the one who has to save you. I understand all of that. By no means am I playing that down or denying those theological realities. What I'm trying to do is to get us to look at this going, man, the chief priests, how could they be so wrong? yet thinking they are so right. And then I want you to stop and look in the mirror and go, I wonder how many times I thought that I was so right, but I was so very wrong. Their wrong led them to crucify, led them to call for the crucifixion of the eternal Son of God. That's horrific. That's horrifying. But where does our wrong lead us? How many people have been hurt because religious leaders got it wrong? 
How many people have you hurt because you got it wrong? How many times can you think of a time in your Christian life where you thought you were doing the right thing? God was on your side and all you did was hurt and destroy. That's what jumps out at me here. That's what jumps out at me. Now, I I do believe that there's a powerful, you know, when Jesus talks about, hey, you have no power over me. I I think in a roundabout way, the civil, the civil government, the civil authority here, they don't get it. They don't understand. They're confused. It just seems like this, what, what is amazing to me, I mean, maybe this contrast doesn't make anything to you. Pilate seems more humble, more willing to go, mm, I don't really understand what's going on here than the religious leaders. The religious leaders are just completely, they can't see anything, but you've broken the rule and, and you're, and you have to be punished. They can't see anything beyond their, I, I wonder in a roundabout way, does religious dogma blind us so that we can't see anything beyond how, like, Within Christianity, we, we get a certain doctrinal system and do we get become so blinded by it that we can't see even truth when it's right in front of us? We can never allow philological dogma to be the thing that blinds us from actual truth. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't hold to theological doctrine and theological truth. We should, but we always have to realize whatever doctrinal dogma I hold to, whatever confession, whatever creed I hold to, I have to constantly realize, well, one, I could be wrong, and two, I'm constantly pursuing truth. I'm pursuing truth. I'm pursuing truth. I mean, Pilate at least asked what is truth. We, we typically almost uh, uh, attack Pilate. Right. I, I, to me, Pilate becomes more sympathetic. At least my reading today, he's more sympathetic. He's like, hey, guys, I keep I, look. Come on. No, here's here's Barabbas. He, he's looking at every way he can possibly can to release Jesus. In fact, the text says he kept on trying to release Jesus. He he's like, wait a minute. I can't find anything wrong with this guy. I, I don't understand what's going on here. And it's the religious leaders are like, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him, kill him. Why can the, the lost man here, in a sense, I mean, you could argue both are lost, obviously, but Pilate, the, the pagan who doesn't have the access to scripture and all of the things that the, the religious leaders would have had, all that light. He seems more willing to go, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute here. He's, he's being more cautious, more care, almost a humility there. And he, I mean, he, he's, he's in charge. I mean, he's, he's a Roman government official. You think he would be more arrogant, but it's the religious leaders like, yeah, absolutely not. Don't, no compromise. We want his blood. We want Jesus dead. I think we have to acknowledge that religious dogma Theological truth does lead to a very, 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 very judgmental, condemning, arrogant attitude because we think we have God on our side. 
Isn't isn't that the most dangerous thing about Christianity or religion? We think we have God on our side. And once you think you have God on your side, that you're the one who's right biblically, you're the one who's right theologically, you're the one right with God, you immediately, then everyone else is, you look at everyone else as less than. You're the heretic. You're the heretic. You're wrong. Your church is wrong. Down with you. Even if we don't call for their blood, we, 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 it's almost like we can't see anything else. The religious leaders here are the ones who got it completely wrong. Pilate comes closer than they do. How can, how can we protect ourselves from being so wrong while we think we are so right? There's just something here today about this that has just really struck me. All of Pilate's, go back into John 18, all of Pilate's attempts. I mean, he tries everything and everything and everything to try it. I mean, he, he, he does whatever he can. I mean, he, he, he is trying everything he can to, 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 to get rid of this. I'm just I'm just looking at the text and he's just like, what what can I do to get out of this? What can I do? I mean, he he is just like he's doing he's doing everything I can. He's doing everything and he can he can to get out of this situation. And like verse 12, John 19, 12. From that moment, Pilate kept trying to release him. But the Jews shouted. If you release this man, you're not Caesar's friend. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. And then when you get to John 19, uh, verse 17, um, then they took away Jesus, uh, carrying the cross by himself. And he went out to what is uh, called the place of the skull, which is Aramaic, is called Golgotha. The religious leaders didn't understand, didn't know what to do. The people, they're just like, they, they seem all caught up in, in almost a, to me, the, the fact that they're, now I understand it, it appears that some may have tried to influence the crowd, but the crowd seems to want Barabbas because they want a revolutionary to get rid of the Roman government. They're, they're just looking at it. They don't even care about Jesus. But then you got the religious leaders there. And that's what impacted me today. And John chapter 19. I'd love to get your thoughts on John 19, um, your perspective. What, what jumps out at you in John 19 today? What jumps out at you? Love to get your thoughts. Love to get your feedback. Uh, we'll, we'll do a little bit more reading in John 19. Um, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll, we'll do some more reading in John 19 uh, tomorrow. Maybe even later this evening. I don't know. But John 19 and John 20, that's our focus this week for the Bible study exercise. We're not doing this in a typical way. We're just doing kind of a reading through it and offering thoughts and, and, and observations. But that's what just hit me today is because in a roundabout way, I'm quote unquote a religious leader. And I wonder how many times I get it wrong. So newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Love to get your thoughts.
Love to get your perspective. Love to get your feedback. Please share it as soon as possible. Thanks for listening. God bless.